We hear you. We're here for you. We stand firm and unwavering when we say Black Lives Matter. Welcome to the Truth to Power Show and Ready for Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. And with us today is co-host Scott Raven. Welcome, Scott. Hey there, VJ. How goes? Hey, going well, going well. Thanks. And anybody ever call you just V? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes like V or V. Because like yeah. you have just the two letters, but just the one letter. So sometimes uh, it's just V. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So we, got a, cool. we got a cool guest today. Yeah. So our guest is Mahendra Inderjit. And uh, he's a friend of mine from the Queens Public Library, a uh, philosophy enthusiast. An all-around good guy. So, uh, and, uh, why don't we start the conversation off a little bit about your journey into philosophy, Western philosophy. You know, um, in your interview questions, you're saying you grew up uh, Hindu, but then kind of found yourself drawn towards the, the Western uh, philosophy traditions. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, first, Vijay, thank you for um, inviting me. Scott, you know, thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of share my experience of philosophy um well you know like you said um i was born hindu and i was you know brought up in the indian tradition of philosophy and um it i i guess it started when my father passed away and um mm. i was looking for answers and hindu in the hindu philosophy does give you answers but it's too simplistic in a sense mm. you know and they have an answer for everything, you know. Yeah. yeah That's why I didn't like it. Yeah. You know, you have to have some kind of difficulty somewhere. So it's so funny. I just um, picked up a book, a philosophy book, and it's weird because I started right in the middle, which was the wrong thing to do, you know. <laughs> Always start at the beginning, you know. And because I started in the middle, I, I for, for go, uh, for, um, go the whole greek philosophers you know mm. which is like so important in, in western philosophy and i found out the um in the middle i started with descartes yeah and i fell in love with descartes ever since you know the cogito you know i think it's the beginning of everything like uh, like i said earlier um with the cogito he brings you back to basics because he's telling you you know whatever you know before just forget everything, every prior knowledge. Let's start from the beginning. So what he does, he tells you to destroy your foundation and let's rebuild new. And when you're rebuilding new, you can build a stronger foundation. Mm. So he goes, how do I know I exist? Well, I'm thinking about it, right? So I must exist. Right. And it's that simple. Yeah, that's the, uh, yeah. The I think therefore I am yes premise right yeah which yeah. which by that premise you you it doesn't matter that you started in the middle necessarily you could no. start at the yeah. beginning the middle or the end if you're starting a new right. you could start at any point which yeah. which I kind of like mm-hmm. um yeah wow De- Descartes okay I used to think yeah I think I think therefore in I am's because I'm a poet I A M B S um just taking that as like just the line what does that kind of mean to you and and uh, you well, know your way into it too well here's the thing but what, De- what Descartes does he puts the individual at the center of the universe right. mm. as opposed to before where we were just part of society as a whole in Plato's Republic but what Descartes does he goes you you're you're the center of this universe you know mm. that your consciousness mm. is what creates this universe and here you are and like like Descartes goes 
you're here and you're here because you're a thinking being mm. and everything else doesn't exist until you infer their existence. How do I, and then once you prove yourself, then you could prove everything else in the world. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it's interesting. It's, it seems like it also goes around to the subjective nature of the world, like subjectivity and the idea that we're creating the world, which is circles back to a little bit some of the, some of the higher philosophies of Vedantic traditions as well. Yes. You know, kind of the subjectivity and the idea that uh, we participate in the creation of the world. That's not like, because traditionally we think about ourselves as, you know, at least I think that the, the pedestrian viewpoint is that we're like, you know, bodies walking through space and there's objects around us and, you know, this kind of thing. But the, and that we're like powerless in regards to, you know, if, if a, you know, uh, thing were to fall, you know, all this kind of thing. All, it's all these laws of, of science and all that kind of thing, that observable universe, the objectivity of the universe and the objectivity versus subjectivity is the major discussion within, um, a lot of these philosophies. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, with, with Descartes, you know, he around him they built a school of rationalism, mm. where everything has to be rationalized for it to be brought into existence. Mm. Um, and it, it's and that's where you know it's it's funny. It's the contradiction between just subjectivity and objectivity. You know, mm. the rationalists are very objective the way they see the world. Yeah. So what what school does uh, Descartes fall in again? Unrationalism. He's a school of rationalism. rationalism yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Leibniz belongs to his school, and um, yeah. Spinoza is, yeah. is part of the whole school of rationalism. Yeah. Versus the empiricists, yeah. who believe that everything we know is through experience. Yeah. You know, and Descartes, you know, he um he says. Yes, he understands the whole concept of experience by you know like touch, taste, the, the senses, but he goes. As we get old, the senses diminish. Mm. So we really can't trust our senses. The only thing we could trust is 100% is our minds and our thinking, yeah. you know, pure thoughts. You know, that's um, the distinction between the two um, clashing philosophies. You know, the rationalism, which was continental, and then you had empiricism, which is on the island of... Of England, you know, all the most of the Paris's came from England, you know, yeah. Berkeley, Hume, and Locke, and them guys. So, um, now I know, like, um, you know, Marcus Aurelius is also someone who has become like sometimes gotten a little bit of a um, a re- renaissance, you know, he's he's definitely someone who like stoicism and all this kind of thing has, has gotten like really, um, empowered in today's society. You know, a lot of people talk about that. Tell us a little bit about how that influenced you as well. Well, you see, Marcus Rosilius is an interesting individual in the sense that he was, you know, if you go back to Plato, Plato writes about the philosophy king, the mm. philosopher king. Mm. And Marcus Aurelius comes closest, if or he is probably is the philosopher, the philosopher king. And but he's in a particular he's in a in a tough situation because, you know, he sees the world through through an individual's eyes, not as king. When he goes out and they're battling and they're killing, he knows it's wrong. Yeah. But he can't come out to his people as king and say, you know what we're doing to these other people are wrong. Yeah. He's supposed to do this. You know, this is what he's supposed to do. Go out and, you know, you know, take over, you know, other people's lands and stuff <laughs> like that. But internally he's like, you know, this is just morally wrong what we're doing to these people. 
but um in in that sense it's a he's a very um interesting person but with in in terms of stoicism stoicism is you know i i like the idea mm. you know that because you know we go through pain and 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 all that stuff and to kind of i think stoicism is like resilience you know you you don't you don't you don't let anybody know that you know you you're shaking you, you know you it's it's you know I don't know there's strength to it you know there's yeah. so, so much inner strength to stoicism. Like one of the, one of the quotes I always hear in regards to stoicism is uh, is not what it is but the story you tell yourself about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that accurate to stoicism? It's like the stories you tell yourself about an event rather than the event itself. Is he, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, and you know and if you read meditations, yeah, that that's what Marcus really is. Yeah. You know, writes. Yeah. Yeah. So you were just getting into a little bit about what are some of the roots of a moral philosophy and, and uh, morality, and you know even for you, where 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 has your morality kind of developed? Even you know you know morality is 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 interesting because the philosophers tend to um what, what desensitize morality in a way they make it mm-hmm. it's it's almost like you know I don't want to say scholastic but they make it academic. Mm. You know, pedantic. Yeah, right. Yeah, pedantic, academic. But there's, you know, there's there's personal morality, and then there's, you know, you know, overall morality in a sense. And this one of my biggest issues today is moral consistency. Mm-hmm. We have none. Mm-hmm. We have none because we treat, you know, different situations differently. Mm. You know, even though everything is the you know like the events are the same yeah. why is that because we're we're using our own morality to judge and and think morality should be more objective than subjective you know like okay this is the events that are happening this is what took place and this is a decision we need to make but you know we as human beings tend to go with our emotions a lot you know and not not, not step back and take ourselves out of the situation look at it you know objectively which you know we should do more you know i believe you know a lot of the time you know yeah right but even you have can you think of an example of, of having been in some sort of moral quandary um of recent time or you know i know on the road it happens quite a bit i, I would think in in traffic or when people you know different people choosing to cut you off at a uh, certain times or you know whether it's in um, yeah on the road or or in life some you sort know of moral. It, it's so funny because as as I'm getting older mm-hmm. these things don't bother me me sure. no more yeah it's 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 wild I don't care if people <laughs> cut me off you do what you got to do yeah you know it's it's and I find that that comes with age you know and wisdom you know more uh-huh. than wisdom anything else, yeah you know? yeah yeah but it's interesting you know I don't know if you're familiar with the Good Place uh, they had this whole um, diatribe about like after the death how to, how to like ca- calculate the good and bad of a person's life mm-hmm. so they they had a interesting um discourse on um like in when what back in the day like in ancient times if you were to get like a rose for someone it was just a question of plucking the rose from the bush and giving it to the person you got high moral points for that right because right. you thought of the person but right. today it's like we're, we're, you know, we got all this like, you know, um, 
when you try to buy something, you try to buy flowers, you're, you're supporting this whole industrial complex or something like that. Like that's, flowers, perhaps are not a good example, but you buy chocolates for someone, you're supporting this whole, you know, like you know, it's like the the byproduct of your consumerism is like more complicated. Yeah, the whole capital, you, you so, yeah, yeah. You, can, yeah, you know, the capitalist yeah. monster. You know, yeah. no, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but the whole concept of good and and bad or you know Nietzsche covers it you know yeah. it's good and beyond good and evil yeah these are things these are these are constructs that were I mean these are things that are made up concepts that are was created you know yeah. to 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 apply morality to everything I mean uh, and I, I I could go in back to the Greeks or even the advent of religion you mm. know religion tells you what's good and bad mm. you know it's it's fed to you and Nietzsche goes no man it, it's not you know this it's it's a construct, a societal construct. You decide what is good and bad. You know he puts the onus on you to decide what that is. You know there's no um what is it a default good or default bad. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you know, I feel like there's a bit of a um, compass within ourselves that we have a strong feeling when we're doing something wrong. Where do you think that comes from? When we we have a strong feeling of conscience. Uh, do you think that's engineered by society, like the superego, or yeah? Like um, like, it, uh, it, there's a lot of um things that play environment. Yeah. Um, your parents, yeah. your upbringing, um, society, you know, dictates uh, how you know how you feel about certain things. Mm. Um, to really say it's you, you know, uh, it's a hundred percent you, is you have to go through these wonderful journeys of. Yeah. learning about the self and and philosophy and poetry and literature because it's everywhere you know you know learning about who you are is everywhere in the world and you just grasp and, and you and it builds you and you should be different from everybody else you know you know you gotta we gotta stop with this sheep this this herd mentality you know that i i dislike the herd mentality yeah. you see it today more than ever you know with the social media and all that good stuff. Yeah, it seems like everyone wants to conform to hive mind, right? Hive <laughs> mind is another way of putting it. Like, you know, just echoing what other people are saying rather than thinking originally from themselves. For, for themselves, yeah. yeah. For themselves, yeah. Yeah, echo chambers we have created for ourselves just to affirm what we already believe Boom. rather than challenging it to new circumstances, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested in where um, your thoughts on, I guess, if we're inherently selfish or not as well kind of thoughts on the the individual you know being being selfish has can have more altruistic benefits too if if you're if you're thinking of for yourself you can help a greater amount of people sometimes but where does that fit in kind of with philosophy you know scott I, I agree with you i mean i i think we're inherently selfish right. and it's not and that's not a bad thing um <clears throat> selfish in 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 like it could be selfish in in i don't know for example um i guess you don't like to share you know i mean that that's a way of, of food wise food saying, wise okay, or, 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 or 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 you know or knowledge wise knowledge yeah. like you know oh i'm reading all this stuff from philosophy but i never share what i'm what i'm learning mm-hmm. or or you you're writing all these wonderful works of poetry but you never share right. that's selfishness right but right. The, the, but i i think it selfishness is a good thing because there's a thin line of forcing 
mm. you know, other people to do what you do, yeah. you know, instead of keeping it, in, you know. Um, it's, I don't know, it, but I think we're definitely inherently selfish. It's, 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 it's a lot to think about, you know, but I think we are. Yeah, I think I definitely, think definitely like, like the uh, compassionate kindness is an acquired skill. I think that yeah, I agree with that in the sense that, you know, it does help. It does benefit. Yeah. I think the, the person to acknowledge or, rec- or, or kind of being in a cell in the body rather than just kind of thinking of themselves as separate from the, mm-hmm. the whole. But at the same time, I do agree that some extent there's a natural tendency towards yeah. like, you know, isolation and, and right. kind of thing. It's so primal. I mean, look yeah. at kids. Yeah. You know, there could be six cars and there's one kid that don't want all six cars. Yeah. You know, and instead of sharing it, you know. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, it's very primal, that whole thing of selfishness and mm-hmm. the ego. We could bring in the ego and all that yeah. other stuff too. Right. You know. Then yeah. there's also the impulse to be kind, though, for the expectation of reward. Yes. Uh, that some people fall into that they're only going to do that because, and that's inherently selfish too. Yeah. Of, like, oh, I want to get all the approval for, yes. for something that, yes. I, that I've done. Yes, yes. You know, and, and you know, it's so funny because to me it seems like like religion kind of um pushes that idea because like the, the more good I do, you know, I'm mm. going to go through the pearly gates or yeah. I'm going to achieve um nirvana or, you, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of pushes you in that direction. Yeah, definitely. I think that my understanding of Nietzsche's philosophy is also that he rejected the idea that in the future we're going to have some future paradise and he affirmed that now is where we're going to experience, you know, this, this is the experience we're having and this is the experience where we're supposed to be wrestling with rather than trying to put it off to the future. The, the, um, that's in a way um, extinguishing the, the present, you know? Right. Yeah, so if, if you can affirm and, that. And you know, it's so funny. It's funny because Nietzsche believed in something called eternal recurrence. Yeah. He didn't believe that you die and then you go somewhere and, you know, you know nobody sees yeah. you again. He's like you, you. You're born again, and you live the same life over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So, perfect it, you know, yeah. each lifetime. You, and, but you know, us Hindus believe that you know we're, we're reincarnated and we're able to imp- improve ourselves. Yeah. But we live a different life. Yeah. Nietzsche believed that you live the same life. Yeah. You know, you're the same person. Yeah. You know, but the thing, the the only difference is the the, the only similarity is that. You don't know that you were that who you were in your previous life. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because even like when I read that, like um, he was like, my understanding, he was saying like, um, you know, uh, if if you if that were the case, like, would we rejoice it? We rejoice in that. So getting to the point where we would rejoice in the idea that we're reoccurring in life. You know, that that would be happiness rather than yeah. a, a punishment. Absolutely, you know? because yeah. he even has a term for that called amor fati. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. To, to embrace, is to love yeah. your, your, your fate. Yeah. Embrace your fate. This is your fate? You know, embrace it. Love it. You yeah. know, deal with it. <laughs> you know, that was his explanation to, to, for yeah. that. Very much an affirmation. Yeah. Yeah, rather than like, you uh, know. If, you know, if 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 you're a cook, be the best cook you could possibly be. Yeah. You know, this is who you are. Yeah. You know. So speaking of cooks and such, like thinking about work might be a good transition into that, mm-hmm. and like how we find meaning in work and professionalism and in our profession, and how how are we able to navigate. You know, how are we able to navigate like you know a job as well as your passions for philosophy and and how do how do you integrate the two? Well, I mean. 
philosophy, I mean, philosophy is all about change, you know, it's constant change. And so is work. You, and, you, and you knew this because, you know, you, you were there with us for a while where at the beginning, our job was to only provide information to seekers. Yeah. Now we're more than that. And yeah. we have to change to be relevant yeah. in the community. We do more than, you know, just provide information. We provide services. Yeah. You know, like programming and all that stuff. We, 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 we give people every, you know, we try to give people everything. And, um, and that, and I think that's, um, that's very representative of philosophy. You know, we, it, we don't have enough time. There's so many philosophers out there to read, but here's the thing. No, no one philosopher will have all the answers for you. Philosophy is this, this is great, you know, um, you know, um, what is it? Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's um, like a tapestry. Oh or, or yeah, or or study, or you know, and you just you go through, you know, and and read as much as you can. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's so funny because I see philosophers as like athletes. Mm. Some athletes are better than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some they have, you know, the ability. You know, they're like LeBron James in basketball and. Jordan, I mean, they're, they're, they're the peak, right? And normal people can't do what they can do. Mm. And then the same thing with, as with philosophers. I think philosophers have the ability to see the world clearer. Mm. Like they have this like magical glass that they put on, yeah. and they see the world and can explain the world, you know, in a, such a clear and distinct way. And a unique way, too, because we could tell, you know, distinct philosophers. But... um. Yeah, so there's no one source, but going back to what you said about, you know, profession, um, yeah, you you try to find meaning in what you do, you know, mm. and um, again, it could go back to selfishness. Let me let me um try to help you know people because it's like paying it forward, or you know, like you know, you, I mean, I go home, I help somebody, I go home, and I feel good about it. You know, it's mm. like that. It's hard to it's not hard to explain. It's just that I'm I'm probably just like have a lack of words. No, no, I got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking, but it's just yeah, just yeah, being that inclusive of of all people to anybody that comes in. But then there brings up kind of like the the moral issue too. Like you're providing services to people that come in. Is there any circumstance with which you refuse uh, service to somebody? Let's say I know within the library, you know, there was uh, a time where, you know, there would be, um, you know, the homeless population would come in and they would, you know, maybe sit there for the entire time. And whether that makes it unpleasant for other people that are there or are they also invited in with which to partake and use this, these, these services? Well, you know, um, at Central, you know, we're such a big building. Yeah. So they could easily come in and and they blend in and you know and right. nobody you know they you can see you know they're, they're in their corner doing whatever and nobody will even get you know even near them to for them to become a nuisance or, or bothersome to them i mean in a smaller location maybe for sales maybe yeah. it's a problem and you know some customers will be like oh you know this there's a there's a homeless guy back there and he smells could you kick him out you know, you know, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, no, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it happened to me when I was in a smaller location. Yeah. And, you know, you have to make that decision and say, you know what, they have the right to be in here just like no, how you have the right. Yeah. You know, it's easier central. 
you know, because we don't have that. Yeah. We yeah. will tell the customers, you know, if you don't like, could you, you know, move to another part of the library? We're huge. But smaller location, you got to be like, he has every right to be in here yeah. just like you. There is a um, code of conduct or like a code <laughs> of the behavior etiquette or something, which includes, you know, that you're properly bathed or properly, yeah. you know, so it includes that, that you're properly tending to yourself you know mm-hmm. so that that's you know including all sorts of things like you know not being disruption or not following people around these kind of things like so you know as far as the the, the um openness is both open as well as like having an agreement in place for people to understand yeah you know? right yeah right. and yeah. you know it's so funny scott because after after the i mean you know, during the pandemic and, and, and to now where we're having more, a lot more EDPs, which is emotionally disturbed mm. persons right. in the libraries. Right. And <clears throat> some of them come and they act, they act out. You know, we ask them to leave for the day, but we don't say, you know, don't, don't come back. You know, we, yeah. we invite them. Maybe they forgot to take their meds or whatever the case. They're having a bad day. Yeah. But um, it's all inclu- we would try to make it all as as, right. as exclusive as possible. Yeah. yeah, and you would hope even some programs that are within there that that reach you know that population in some oh, respect yeah. too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, could you speak of maybe of some of the programs currently that are going on, or or some of the ones that interest you that 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 you do actually have at that library? That- well, a lot of it, a lot of programs that we have now is um exclusively um virtual. Yeah. Um, we don't have any, we haven't had any in, in person stuff yeah. going on for a while. But it, I mean, we run the gamut. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, like job, job searching. A lot of people Sorry. lost jobs during the pandemic. <clears throat> um, we, you know, um, yeah, job training, um, computer classes. Yeah. And I mean, high level from, from very basic mm-hmm. to introducing to computers for older people to, um, to Python coding, CSS, HTML, mm. you know, so it runs the gamut from basic, and 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 and, and the thing is with that, we're trying to build to to bridge the technology gap, mm. because you would think in the twenty first century everybody has a computer, everybody has a laptop, but that's not the case. Mm. I mean, one of the I I run the the cyber center at the central library, and we have seventy two computers. Would you believe every computer is used and it's a waiting list yeah. so what, what does that tell you not everybody not is an owner of a computer yeah you know and that shocks me i mean even me you know I me mean? you know that that shocks me and um but we try to do the best we can to accommodate you know and um it, it right after during the pandemic one of the things the issues that we had to deal with was the older population coming in for for help and <clears throat> they needed to renew their lease they needed to you know renew their um driver's license and other stuff and you know they go to the dmv and they're like oh um go go online they're like what go online what's online <laughs> you know yeah. that these people have no idea what's yeah. going on and we had people come to come to us in tears tears and you know, being short-staffed, it's tough. But you know, you do what you gotta. You know, you do what you have to do. You know, back to you know, you're making that moral. You know, you're in a moral dilemma now. What do you do? You you turn your back and send them away because you don't have time to do it, or 
do you sit there with them, you know, and and and, and spend the time? Yeah, take uh, the time. You know? I was thinking, you know, because you don't you, want them to lose our apartment, you know, right? Or, right, right. I, I, that you that you can check out books. Can can you check out computers at, at a uh, at a library? Or? You some some locations they you can actually do that. Um, at Central, we check we lend out um, tablets. So they and and we also lend out um, hotspots. Oh great! Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good, good. And I think like it's interesting when you think about um, the evolution of libraries, like the idea of. I'm not sure about uh, the history of libraries, like when. I don't know if you're familiar with like when they started actually. I mean, of course, the public library when it started or when we started. The, oh, yeah, we were talking about that we the, other day, the other day trying to figure yeah, it out. Trying to figure out like, you know, how we distinguish between a library that is just an elite library and like a library that's open to the public for people who have not received uh, the kind of training um, that they required to come in and just use the library yeah, in a public space. Well, you remember, so. In public libraries, it operated just like, um, you know, like the elite libraries where the collection was behind the, the librarian. Yeah. So they would come with a slip of paper and like, I'm looking for this book. There was no browsing stacks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That you could go, oh, and there's a the classic section or right. this is, you know, the sci-fi section. No, you would have to give the librarian a slip. They'd be like, okay, well, I'll be right back. And yeah. they go and, you know, they go to the stacks and close stacks. And yeah. get it, and then bring it back to you. Yeah, it was in. Like yeah, it's the amazing scene. how like now the, the more and more information becomes available, like and ready and ready quickly to our fingertips. The more like inaccessible in some ways it's become because it's like you know the technology is kind of, is gone gone through technology. And we have that huge technology gap, and people kind of assume that uh, information is readily available, but you know also the literacy skills to be able to navigate that terrain and be able to understand how to discern between you know um fake information or false information and legitimate sources of information as well information literacy is very important as well yeah oh absolutely we're we're the van you know we're we're at the van we're the vanguards of that we're we're the ones who lead people to authoritative you know information you know not the oh this is the first thing that came up on when i googled it yeah you know we filter out the garbage from from what's you know what's what's um authoritative you know yeah um and what's relevant um it's so funny i you you've been in the libraries and so have i where i've i've seen i've been there long enough i've been there for 23 years where i've seen the change with technology yeah. i remember working at the central library a saturday sunday the lines were so long because everybody came in to use um indexes and abstracts oh, yeah. and, and you remember that and and you know that's the only way they could get articles you know now it's like every database you know yeah. you know provides full text uh-huh. articles you don't even need us anymore for you know for, for that, that you know yeah yeah yeah, no, it's interesting how um, you know now. It, but the, I, even with the increase of that, and that the, the idea of like navigating the database even as its own, mm-hmm. you know, own construct, mm-hmm. you know, so then being able to search for it and find the, be able to put the limiters, right. you know, all these kinds of things. Need some training, need some orientation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. another thing we do. We do have the virtual classes on how to like yeah. the, the, the we we break it up into like um, um, like business databases, how to navigate. You know, um, general databases, how to navigate, um, 
you know, medical databases. We break it up into those um, specific subject areas. We do. Right. And it's well attended, you know, because, again, you need to teach people how to do how to search. <laughs> people still, you know, have difficulty in searching. Yeah. When you, so when you were growing up, was there a, a vision of being in that library or, you know, was there a connection to libraries formed in childhood for you that that you got a particular feeling about or did that come a little bit even even later that 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 environment where you would you know spend spend your days well you know for me library you know, i i used to go to the jackson heights library as a kid yeah and to me it was you know it's fantastic you know we had the card catalog back then you know? uh, yes. <laughs> and it, it was such a like an adventure you know to walk into the library and find something that you want to read and you know, to find stuff that we had books on tape, and it was the cassette tape. It wasn't oh, CDs. Right. Yeah. Now you know you download everything, right? But yeah, it was it was fun, you know, to get the Garfield comic books and all that good stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was such a big part of my life growing up. I didn't expect to go into libraries though, you know, at that point, you know, it's, it's after you know I went to Queens College and um, my major was political science, and I had this professor his name was professor john jurassi he was so far left right that he the classes that i took with him he kind of the it, i just you know left queen's college hating politics you know and um, <laughs> you know it was like i don't want to do this this is not something i really want to get into you know um so um i was working part-time at the library and i'm like you know why don't i make this a full time gig you know I, I i enjoy being here yeah i enjoy dealing with the customers i enjoy the books and you know went to library school and um, oh, nice. the rest you know was history yeah yeah um if we go into uh, back to philosophy a bit um is there any particular philosopher that you that strikes you as being completely against the grain i guess to someone whose views uh, pretty contrary to a lot of the other philosophers if there's any anybody who's a completely different view of the world that that might um that might come to mind or you know well you know there's some philosophers that like you said are pedantic and mm -hmm. they want to spread their philosophy but there's some there's a couple of philosophers that are like look i'm just explaining how the world is you don't have to right. agree with me but mm -hmm. this is just the way it is or this is how i view it kierkegaard mm -hmm. is one of those guys mm -hmm. you know kierkegaard they always put Kierkegaard and Nietzsche together. Kierkegaard tr was trying to save Christianity, while Nietzsche was trying to s destroy Christianity. You mm. know what I mean? <laughs> but they're 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 considered existentialists. Mm. But um, <clears throat> but Kierkegaard is one of these easygoing fellows that um, he's an interesting guy too. Um, he had you know you notice Kierkegaard he was he was dating this 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 woman by the name of Regine Olson, and all of a sudden he decided to break off the engagement. And that through, I mean, you know, and she was like the prettiest girl in 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 the town or whatever. And you know, her her parents had money. He was gonna. He was he was in a good place. Mm. But he decided to break it off, and she got remarried, and he suffered so much from it. But during the suffering, he created these wonderful works of philosophy. You know, mm. like the suffering was what. You know that you know what motivated him to write these wonderful works uh, of philosophy, 
And then we, there's another guy by the name, and I, and I just and I just discovered him. And when you discover new philosophers, yeah, like yeah. this, you know, like the most exciting thing that yeah. could ever happen to you, you know. <laughs> um, his name was. I hope I pronounce. I'm pronouncing his name right. Emil Sioran, right? He's a he's a Romanian French philosopher, and um, people people call him um, as they see him as a nihilist. Mm. But and he and he reads like that. If you read his stuff, he reads like a nihilist. But again, he's not one of these guys that's saying, "Hey, view the world as you know has the, the you know like it has no meaning." You know, that's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, it's the world. Let, let's acknowledge that the world is messed up, and I'm just here to take the journey with you. <laughs> you know, said which is so cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's sharing his experience with you. You know, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people feel the same way. He feels that you know, this 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 world. We're not here to have fun. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're here to suffer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's so funny because um, that quote is um that um we're not here to have um to have fun is Wittgenstein. You know, Wittgenstein. Oh, oh yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I read a little bit of Wittgenstein in the sense of this. He had two major movements, the Tractatus and then the philosophical investigations that mm. the second which contradicted my understanding, like or kind of went against the first part. If you tell us a little bit more about Well, you know, yeah. it's so funny because the Tractatus what it is is very small. Yeah. And it's like a it's like a manual. Yeah. You know, one the world is is as it is, the one point one and then it goes on and on. But you know, and people it's you know, one thing what what Wittgenstein never did he never defended his works. Every time somebody tried to see, you know, like say, you know, well, you know, this, you know, two point one was, you know, what you said there was wrong. Wittgenstein never defended it. Mm. He would walk, you know, if you if question him, he would just walk away. Oh, you know, said that's how he was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, philosophical investigations, yeah, was was um was um was um published after he died. Oh, so right. we don't, you know, so. We don't know if um that was Wittgenstein, you know. Well, mm. they said it was, so I don't know, you know, where the mm. where the um mm. the contradiction start or end. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so interesting, so interesting. But um, yeah, this is the only book he published in his lifetime was um the Tractatus. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, yeah. So this is my list is the Truth of Passion and Ready for Brooklyn. We're here with co-host Scott Raven, um VGR Nathan, and we're here with uh, special guest um Hinder Inderjit. Um, we're discussing a little bit of philosophy and then, um, and work and, uh, and different, and different impacts of, uh, philosophical, his, uh, and there's philosophical investigations in his own life into, uh, the different philosophies out there in Western philosophy specifically. Um, so what else coming up for you as far as like, um, any thinkers that you think are especially relevant in the, in today's society? Uh, you know, kind of like looking at the, the kind of the cyberspace or the the um the kind the of matrix. The, like the matrix the matrix <laughs> or any uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know and you know again yeah. Descartes fits so well in that whole matrix yeah. thing yeah. right <laughs> think about it you know yeah. <clears throat> um well yeah I think you know they you know here's the thing Descartes always gets a bad rap and yeah. I'll tell you why he gets a bad rap because he wasn't an academic and the academics kind of I guess I don't know if they were threatened by the fact that this guy was just a regular dude that came up with, not just come up with, he, 
it's so we remember we have the Greek philosophers, right? And then all of a sudden Descartes comes and creates this whole framework, mm. you know, and the other, you know, the, the people like Kant and the guys like, wow, we, we like what he, this guy just did, but we just don't like the way he arranged the furniture mm. in, in within the framework. So they go in and they rearrange everything. But the thing is that he, it's, oh, uh, I think I hit this. Oh, this like a belt. <laughs> I know, right? Done, yeah. And, um, so I think they give him a bad rap because I've every I read a lot of like history philosophy books where they compile everybody. Descartes is never even given a chapter. No. And I'm like, why? You know, what's going on here? Yeah. Because he was not an academic. They don't give him the respect of an academic. But they got with a mathematician too. Analytic geometry. You know, without Descartes, we don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, eventually I think we're going to figure this out, but he's the one who got us there. The X and Y axis. That's all Descartes. Mm. You know, the, the cube the, and the square, something as simple as that. You know, that's, that's Descartes. But, um, as far as the matrix, yeah, man. I mean, what's Are real? What is it? You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it a simulation? Yeah. Um, but what he was also, who would we equate to be like the modern day philosophers? Would you say that, that, that the general public tends to look to um, for this type of deeper thinking and 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 thought. Um. You know, I know, I know. There's modern philosophers out there. I know um, Zizek. I don't, you know, I, but I haven't oh, read yeah. much of Zizek. Film yeah. studies? No, no, no. He's no. A, no, he's a philosopher. Oh, okay. yeah, Slava. Yeah, Zizek. Yeah, exactly. I, I um, think I've read a lot of his stuff on film, though, too, or about film. Yeah. Um, Zizek, I'm pretty sure. You yeah, know, he writes a lot of pop culture, right? Right. That's, yeah. 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 And you know, Chalmers from from um, NYU is you know uh, so he's a modern day philosopher, you know, yeah, contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and then of I course don't know. there's the, now now he's getting older, but um, Chomsky is like now he's like I think he's yeah. like really he's older yeah. school. But. Well, you know, he he was one of the he pioneered that whole linguistic philosophy thing. Yeah. You know. Chalmers, I mean, um, Chomsky is awesome. He's he's great yeah. to listen to, and you know we we got to be lucky. He's he's still alive. Yeah. So you know to to be able to 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 see him on YouTube and and hear him on podcasts and him lecturing, you know, if you get the opportunity, go and and take it because he's not going to be along. I mean, around for too long, you know. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, can you speak a little, maybe outside of books, if there's any, if there's been um, either visual art or or film or or television, also maybe that has played into kind of your interest in in philosophy or some of your your views, um, uh, particular yeah, film perhaps. Well, you know, here's um, when uh, when you talk about films, like the the whole movement, the whole existential movement, not just affected philosophy, mm-hmm. but literature. Mm-hmm. And as you know, and 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 movies too, and they kind of like uh, like the whole new wave cinema of the of of of, of the French French new wave, you yeah, know, like Truffaut and Godard. You know, I mean, I thought um, you've seen the Four Hundred Blows. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's yeah. a great we're, we're film. You know, that. it's you know the coming of age. You know, that it's self realization. That's a wonderful film. Same thing with um with um Breathless with Godard. Yeah, you know, he kills. Someone, I mean, it's like the whole morality thing that he has to go through. It's so, yeah. I mean, there's a whole movement out there. I think all these um, 
especially the indie um, directors are yeah. trying to more so than you know the mainstream directors and you can see the mainstream directors are actually going back and trying to make indie films <laughs> you know this mm. yeah okay. but yeah but those two i think breathless and 400 blows 400. are really good um examples yeah i just want to talk a little bit about um because uh, it come up in, in your questions about destiny or fate. Mm-hmm. Like we talked a little bit about Morfati, you know, mm-hmm. love one's fate, but also the idea of free will versus uh, destiny and uh, and whether or not we get the chance to choose our, like, and w- how that plays together. It seems like a contradiction in a sense that, you know, we kind of, the idea of fate as well as the idea of a free will. Free will. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I know some people say that. The whole concept of free will is just an illusion. Yeah. Behind the free will, there's destiny. Everything is destined. Um, was what's that wonderful book? A hundred years of solitude. Yeah. You know, at the end, you know, whatever was happening, it was destined to happen. You know, no matter how much you tried to go against the grain, this is your destiny. You can't mm. fight it. And um, like, uh, like I said, uh, free will is just an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. So you you believe that or yeah, yeah? I do. Yeah, being a Hindu, you have yeah. to believe that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Because you know? yeah. my own take on it is like like karma, like the mechanism of karma, in my opinion, has to do with like just the the the, the result of your actions have a consequence, but that you choose the the um, the action you take, and you just have to accept the consequence of that. Correct that action. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So there's slight there's a slight difference in my mind. Between destiny, which seems like like seems like the mechanism is totally out of control, as opposed to you know being able to engineer the, and understand the nature of the beast. That mm-hmm. you know, so this is like the, the weird pivot point between uh, choice and uh, and you know accepting that these that this machine is going to work the way it does. Right. Yeah. Right. You know. You know. Um, one of the things. Um, like like you know people always talk about quantum mechanics yeah and how everything is random yeah but even einstein said even behind the randomness there's you know even behind the random there's order there's order to the universe mm. everything is already set in place you know so it's not like you know it's a free for all like yeah. the like the quantum mechanic the even even the quantum mechanics wrote about it schrodinger and um heisenberg right you know they were influenced by by the hindus you know in mm. the hindu philosophy and even they wrote about, you know, order, you know, even behind this craziness that we see that's of chaos. So would we say that, like, the eventual death of the of the planet is mm-hmm. destined? Mm-hmm. Or are we speeding that up from mistreatment of the environment uh, and other f- factors that, you know, like, is, does the, the, the planet itself have a, have a shelf life? How, how would the philosophers kind of, I, I, w- I would I would think that the philosophers would say that it does have a shelf life and and there's nothing we can do to speed it up. I no, mean, we we, even speed it. yeah, I mean we we could we could do a good job of you know decimating half the life on it and or even more, but mm-hmm. you know it's um whatever whatever they say it's a lifespan of a planet. That's what it's it's going to be. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and our responsibility towards either preserving or yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, Here's yeah, the thing, you to- know, Mother Nature has a way of replenishing itself. Mm. The 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 reason you want to um, preserve the you know the the planet 
is for the people who's living on it. Mm. It doesn't affect Mother Nature. It affects the people who's living on it. You know, you know, you're not saving Mother Nature. You're saving yourself. Mm. You know, in essence, yeah. yeah. yeah we make the the choice in order to, um, you know, kind of be as you say, going back to morality, going back to the highest self, the highest goals. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to align that and trust that this will all work out in the sense that you know, yeah. Mother Nature. It's not about you know saving the planet. It's about saving really our own, you know, existence. Existence. Yeah, existence. Yeah. 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 Do you want it comfortable or or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, do you want to live in domes or you want to walk around and smell the fresh air? You know. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do a quick, couple of quick announcements. Um, this is Radio for Brooklyn. You're listening to Radio for Brooklyn. Uh, listen supported radio. Um, Radio for Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community, promote media literacy, education, and free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us to stay on air and allows us to do our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support the monthly pledge or one-time donation at slash donate. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs nothing, go to readyforbooking.org slash Amazon and register at Ready for Brooklyn as your Amazon small charity. Every time you shop, a portion of your purchase go benefits Ready for Brooklyn. Um, if you'd like to listen to Radio Brooklyn while not in front of your computer, if you're listening to your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone or Android. Available in the App Store for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new, co- new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at radiofrequent.org/newsletter. Um, finally, let's see. There's some event coming up. Um, on Friday, May 20th at 7.30, um, Radio Brooklyn is proud to present four amazing bands, an outstanding local venue for evening of rocking music. Join us at Friday, May 20th at 7.30 for a nice seventh grade girl, a uh, seventh grade girl fight, dirt bikes, barrette, and castle black, and none other than Ridgewood Zone Bar Frida, 801 Seneca Avenue. Tickets are $10 and you purchase at the venue. All right, some live awesome. music coming up, which awesome. we haven't been to. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Could you talk a little bit about, I guess, uh, one's uh, um, connection to uh, one's family over the greater world? Uh, I, some people put family ahead of, of, of all things, you know, balancing out our talk on selfishness and our talk on kind of the individual um being there for one's family as opposed to being there for all. Um, right, yeah. You know, I've had this, this, uh, this not argument, the discussion before. Right. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the whole fam- familial construct was based on um, saving and preserving people in a sense. This is where the, I think the whole concept of marriage came about where you know women were being taken advantage of the only way to save them was to get them married right. and the, and the male would protect the woman and and then they would start a family and they they were taught that they did in protection they need to protect each other and that's very very um um you know like from the beginning that you know once the whole family construct um came into being and um again and that is tied with with with, with the selfishness because 
you want to look after the people within your 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 own bloodline or right. or family or whatever um it takes it, it, it gets, it, it's hard it's hard to say leave that and say you know i'm going to be universal you know and leave my family behind it's hard to do you know who did that it was to a certain extent was karl marx mm. you know karl marx's family was starving to death and here he is you know writing das kapital you mm. know then his wow. his kids were dropping dead but he knew that you know he had stuff to you know like i need to write these volumes of of mm. stuff that i don't think anybody's ever going to read but yeah. he did he sacrificed his children his wife for you know the greater you know the greater good in this you know yeah it's so amazing it's amazing to think about like when we think about you know workaholics <laughs> and the idea the concept of like oh you know you won't regret you know like Spending another day at the office as opposed to your family, spending time with your family is the common right. trope. That's know. why that's why you know, like the the, the workaholics, the the you know, they they tend not to have families anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get married, they don't want that yeah. responsibility because they know that they don't have the time they won't have mm-hmm. the time to put in. Yeah. You know, to raise children or, you know, to have a happy home. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then where that intersects with morality as well, you know, people will either, whether whether they'll, I don't know, lie for their family or protect their family, you know. Oh, yeah. Based, yeah, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. Constantly. Oh, yeah. We, we see it on the so news all the ahead. time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> with the academic uh, yeah. thing, with the, yeah. And, and yeah. With, our, with our president, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And his son, you know, apparently they're always bringing that up. The laptop, yeah. you know. Right, right, like, you right, know, right. So. yeah. But it's interesting when you think about like, um, you know, these loyalties and 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 being able, like almost like blind, like you know, like it, it, this also yeah. translates into institutions, tribes, yeah. you know, all this kind of tribalism, you know, kind of like you yeah. know, nationalism and all these kinds of things that where it's like it gets to the point where that that ideal of the country or the family or the the church or the you know the, the, the returns to hive mind thinking. Where you know we have to defend these people, these institutions above all else, you mm-hmm. know, against attack. Whereas ultimately, when it comes to egoism, you know, when it comes to selfishism, selfishness, the selfish gene, uh, it's like uh, you know, defending ourselves is a little more stable uh, uh, a venue, a venture than defending some you know country or. God, or, right? You know, right. kind of thing. Right. So in some ways, you know, we have you, more control over that. You know, it's so funny. Yeah. You know, people. Oh, you know, they 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 ask me about the situation. What do do I think about the the situation and you know, Ukraine? You know, with mm. the with the invasion. And I'm like, I don't know enough. Yeah. To to tell you anything, I yeah. just don't know enough. Yeah. You know, I see it as Putin invading, and that's all I know. Yeah. If if I knew more to it, I I, I you know I give you a good answer, but I don't yeah. know, yeah. and I can't speak on it. I can't, you know, yeah. you know, just, there's a lot of layers to, to things, you know. Yeah, you definitely know knowing our limits and knowing like when to speak and when not to speak is right. a skill, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's something that we've all, you know, like, I don't say we've all forgotten, but society as a whole has forgotten. They think they know everything about everything and they know nothing about anything. That's the <laughs> yeah. crazy part. Yeah. 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 Crazy, crazy. Yeah. A lot of people should, um, suffer from something called short-term memory. Mm-hmm. They don't want ha- to happen. They don't remember what happens in the past. You know, it's now. <laughs> yeah, people live in the now. 
neuralized. Mm. I'm trying to see. Uh, so now, in a few minutes, we'll be uh, wrapping up. So we have any final thoughts uh, on. Uh, we can go to our final thoughts. Any final takeaways uh, from the the conversation, or any final uh, words of wisdom. Well, you know, I guess my final thoughts would be like, look, you know, we we all go through this journey where we're trying to explain our, our existence in, in the world yeah. and our place in the world. And maybe there is no, no, no purpose. Maybe, you know, going the nihilist way, there is no purpose to this existence. But if you're looking, I mean, just don't look in one place. Don't look into just religion. Don't look into just philosophy mm. or the sciences. Look everywhere. Because this, you'll find answers everywhere. You know, I think it's the, that's the puzzle. It's a big puzzle piece that you need to put together, but you're not going to find the source in one direction. You're going to find it scattered across the world. So it makes it hard. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. You know, the Upanishad said that, you know, God gave us eyes to look in, into the external world because the internal, he wants us to discover for ourselves, you know. Yeah. It's so interesting, and I think ultimately the the uh, subjective the call for like us as being creators of the, the call for us as being like co-creators of this world is taking on the responsibility of all things. Like you know, taking on responsibility is important, and you know, being able not to be like oh, it's just the you know shoving off the the creation of the meaning, meaning giving, rather you know, taking on that responsibility of giving meaning to things, and and being able to investigate and find. What's out there, so right. then we can learn about ourselves ultimately. Yes, yes, yeah. it's a journey, man. It's, a, yeah. it's definitely a journey. Whether you know you do it through poetry or writing or literature or whatever, it's important just to keep the mind active. And you know, that's it. Keep the mind active. Yeah, love it. All right, so Scott, any final thoughts? No, it's been a pleasure to talk with you on, no, uh, yeah. on uh, one of your first podcasts yeah, you've said, but yeah. this was fantastic. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, I, I look forward to future conversations. This is great. All right, guys, so check out our archives. We're ready for the archives. Shoot to power if you'd like. Find out some more, inf- more dialogues we've had over the past uh, few years. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for both of you. And we'll end now. Thank you. <laughs>